I'm just glad you're okay. You're glad I'm okay? Yeah. Why wouldn't I be okay? Don't you live in Ferguson? No. <laughs> I thought I saw you on the news uh, getting some shit from the convenience store. I would have been in that McDonald's, man, because if I'm going to riot, I want McDonald's shit. Wow, that's what you're going after? <laughs> that's what I'm going for, McDonald's. I thought you would be trying to get those Air Jordans. Nah, I, yeah. I don't care about the electronics or the instruments. I want that big-ass fry. That's what I want. Welcome to the Horror Riders Podcast. Join Jay Thorne and Richard Brown as they discuss writing and publishing horror using strategies that work for all genres. Welcome to episode 20 of the Horror Writers Podcast. There, now it's official. We're rolling. Oh, we're starting? Oh, yeah. We were starting a while ago. You know that. Oh, yeah. You didn't have your lower third up, so I was a little confused. Yeah. It won't It won't cooperate. It doesn't like you. <laughs> so, what's so the what plan episode? this week? This is number 20? This is 20. I think it, next episode we get to drink, right? Isn't that how it works? 21. Yeah, we'll be old enough. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't drink anymore, right? I don't, no. You don't drink at all. Well, I drink water. Oh, okay. But yeah, you don't drink alcohol. You're going straight edge. Straight edge. Totally straight. Isn't that... <laughs> it's like the X, right? Yeah. Tattoo, right? The straight edge guys? But I yeah, think they're, I, I, they're like skinhead too, aren't they? I don't think they're skinheads now. I think it's a, it's a different thing. <laughs> Plus, I mean, you don't want to have to cut your hair. Right. Yeah, that's why I was asking because I, I thought it was hair. like, yeah, that was like skinhead, and I wasn't gonna do that. So, <laughs> have you always had long hair? Uh, most of my life. I think life. the audience wants to know. Yeah, most of my life since I was a teenager. Really? Yep. So you were like, oh, I gotta grow the long hair because Metallica has long hair, and if I'm gonna be a, a metal band, I gotta have long hair. What did you think when they cut their hair? You were probably like, like me, you were like, oh my god. Like, yeah, not that was, anymore. yeah, that was when they jumped the shark. Me and my yeah. friends were like, yep, that's it. They suck now. <laughs> and they never recovered. No, they didn't. That's the funny <laughs> part. It's true. <laughs> like, they had a few decent songs, but nothing like, nothing great. Well, that, I think that was, the, wasn't that the Load album? Or no, it was... Uh, yeah, it was Load. Yep, yeah, it was Load. Yeah, Load, right? So everybody was like, wow, that was a Load, all right. Yeah. A load, load of shit. <laughs> they dropped the Load on that one. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. So what's new with you? Well, I'm getting pretty excited for this. Uh-oh. So by the time you guys watch this episode, we're going to be... Getting ready to do the Pet Cemetery episode. So if you haven't sent in uh, questions or comments or anything like that yet, uh, you can definitely do that. Leave them in the comments on YouTube or email us. Uh, but next next show is going to be Pet Cemetery. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we got uh, Joe Hart's coming back on. He he read it, so we'll probably have a lot to discuss. Go through the whole book. Of course, it's going to have a lot of spoilers, but yeah. It'll be kind of hard to do the show about the book without giving spoilers, so 
just yeah. fair warning, I guess. So what else you got? Anything? Well, yeah, I, uh, about a week and a half ago, I did a soft launch on a uh, on writing. It's called "Finish a Manuscript in 60 Days," and uh, getting some pretty good feedback on it. I got totally sidetracked. I didn't intend to do it, and it's a uh, it's about a 40-minute video course, and it's taken me over 85 hours to produce it. 85 <laughs> um, hours. Yeah, but I got in. I got in way too deep and then I was past the point of no return. So I recorded the whole session three times. You'll appreciate that, Richard, because I know you like to think I just dash things off, but I recorded it twice and it was not what I wanted it to be. And so I had to record it a third time. And uh, anytime you work in video, there's a ton of extra time in editing and rewatching. And, but anyways, the bottom line is the course is up. It's getting some good feedback and, um, I think I'm going to give uh, give a few courses away to some of our viewers if uh, they show some interest in the YouTube comments. And for anyone else that stumbles across it, I'll put a, a big discount code so you can get it cheap. It's uh, retailing at 49 bucks, but um, I'll get some coupons up there for a really big discount. So that's what I've uh, been working on. Wow, so you're getting into video now. Well, I mean, it's a natural, it feels like a natural extension to doing the podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, kind of talking about writing has been some of the things we've been doing. Kind of, well, when the podcast first started, too, it was more of like a tutorial kind of thing, right? So this is sort of the similar type of idea. Yeah, it, it is. Except for it's more like direct and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's more, it's... Uh, Focused. M my flavor is it's kind of project management. So I'm, I, I have a lot of history and, and work experience in project management and, and team leaders, team leadership. So what I've done is kind of taken those principles and applied them to writing a novel. So it's, it's really about like sort of organization, time management, and holding yourself accountable and using that to end up with a, a first draft manuscript. That's, that's the bottom line. Yeah, I've always thought of you as a very team leaderish kind of guy. <laughs> uh, I like to orchestrate stuff. Yeah, I like yeah. to, I, I like to, yeah, yeah. What you've been up to? Uh, not a whole lot. I, I don't know if you, I don't know if I sent you the link. There's this, <laughs> Somebody sent me a link to, uh, was it you that sent me the link to the other Richard Brown in the Amazon store? Yes. Yeah, I was like, what is up with that? Certainly there's an imposter out there pretending to be me. So you were doing some sleuth work on it? Yeah, there's this guy who wrote like an Ebola book or something, and his name apparently is Richard Brown. And, I mean, it's possible that, you know, that he's, you know, his name is really Richard Brown. I mean, it's not a, probably an uncommon name, but... It's it's like I wonder how many people who read my books like now think that that's me, you know. Well, when you does... search Richard Brown on Amazon, yeah, his sure book shows up, up right in the middle of yours. So yeah. yeah, and it's not. It's still kind of a post-apocalyptic, right? Thing, so it's it's still the same. It's like if it was a completely different genre or something, but it's still right there, same genre. Yeah, I know you, and I had to look twice at that, and be like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> did you th you th did you think that when you saw it that I wrote it, or were you like, "No, he wouldn't have a cover that looks that bad." Well, when I when I first saw it, like it, in the first couple seconds, I thought it was something new, and then mm -hmm. when I clicked on it and looked at it, I knew it definitely wasn't you. But at first, I I did. I thought it was you. I mean, who knows? Maybe his book will be like you know a bestseller, and then it'll just steer people to my books. <laughs> you can get collateral sales from the. The real Richard Brown. Yeah. Because <laughs> the real Richard Brown is not doing shit lately. No? He's, he's lazy as hell. He's, yeah. You're not writing anything? No, I am. It's just been like, it's just been like a 
crappy year for me, really. Yeah. I don't know. I've just been like off my game. How's the graphic novel doing? You mean sales wise? Yeah. <laughs> Not a whole lot, like yeah. expected. I mean, it's a you know it was a short graphic novel too. It's only like fifteen or twenty pages long, so mm-hmm. it's not really. I didn't expect much out of it. So, well, maybe uh, that's something we can talk about coming up here because uh, we had we're going to talk a little bit about writing in different formats and stuff. And uh, I'd be curious to hear your take on a graphic novel, what your experience has been, because I've been kind of dabbling with that idea as well. So, yeah, did you see that? Uh, speaking of like adaptations or whatever. Uh, you know that they're redoing the stand. Did you hear that? I heard that, and um, yeah, and I who did they? I, I heard a big name's already attached to it. Who was it? I think it was like Matthew McConaughey. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's right. Like he's yep. supposed to be a, a Randall Flag or whatever. Uh yeah. Yeah. I will totally watch time. that. <laughs> I mean, won't you watch that? Yeah, it's, it was. I remember I originally heard about it because I reached out to this guy to do book covers for my Dead Highway series because I wanted to redo all of them and I wanted to have like an original artwork for each book. Mm-hmm. And I saw this guy and he was he, he did a bunch of other zombie books and he just was really good zombie artist. So I reached out to him and he couldn't do it at the time because he was he said he was working on sketch stuff for the Stand movie. Oh. So I was like, I didn't even know anything about it at that time. And I was like, wow, there's a movie? He's like, yeah, they're making a movie on the Stand. And at the time, I guess it was just going to be one movie, and I was like, that's probably not going to be very good. Because just one movie out of that book just would be like, it's just too much to try to fit into one, you know, right. two and a half hour movie or something. So now I hear they're making like three or four. You know, they're doing the, the typical Hollywood thing where they're just going to drag Don't it out. It. But in, yeah. in this case, it may actually be good because it's such a giant book, you know. It can't be any worse than Hunger Games next movie part one and Hunger Games next movie part two. Speaking of that, I think I'm going to have to go see that later today because my wife wants to go. I'm totally going to see it, but like, it's, kind of, it's kind of annoying. that I don't want to see it. I'm not really a big fan. I, didn't read, I honestly didn't read the books, but the I movies were... I mean, they were entertaining. You know? They were they okay. Weren't they just weren't... Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not running, rushing out there you know, wanting to see no. it. But, but no. yeah, but then I, then I saw the stand one, and then come to come to realize they're also redoing it which is oh. cool and okay. which i think is going to be two movies or something okay and then they're also speaking of which they're also doing pet cemetery <laughs> which is like really wow which, i don't I know mean, how i feel about that <laughs> yeah i don't think it's going to be good just because i if you read the book i'm sure we'll get into this next week it's just i think it's just hard to translate into a good movie because it's so much of it is, is based upon what this guy's thinking and stuff and thoughts right. are just thoughts just don't translate well to a movie. Yeah. A movie needs like action, set piece kind of things and that book just doesn't have that. It's not really that kind of book. Right. Yeah. But I agree. I, I just thought those were interesting and then uh <laughs> and then uh the last thing, the the Walking Dead, you know, you've been we had a show on it like a few weeks ago or whatever and and you're getting up to what the mid-season finale. Uh, what yes. have you thought so far? You know, since then, and you know, just you know, just basic thoughts. You know, basic thoughts. I'm, um, I'm really kind of surprised that uh, this season has been so focused. Um, they've served up a few things this season that have been years in the making, like that shot of Atlanta, mm-hmm. and sort of what's happening in in the bigger city. I mean, I think that's been something everyone's been wondering about since it, the whole show started, and 
the fact that they served that up I thought was, was really interesting. So there's been some reveals that I was really kind of surprised that we got. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of the uh, that scene where Daryl and uh, Carol are in the van and somehow the van topples over the side and it lands like all It lands on its wheels? Yeah, like, like, oh my God, like that was so bad. Well, that whole scene kind of bothered me because, first of all, Daryl spies the van from the window before mm -hmm. he even looks through Carol's, the scope on Carol's rifle. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, it's super imperative that they get to the van. And I, I get it because it's got the white cross on it, but still, like, that, it looked like it was burnt out and abandoned. And then they get there and, like, they feel compelled to climb in when half of it's hanging over the edge and walkers <laughs> are coming from both ends of the bridge or the overpass. And I'm... The whole scene just kind of didn't sit well with me. Yeah, well, really, the whole... I, if there was a weak episode so far, I think that was the one. It felt mm -hmm. a little bit like a filler kind of episode, you know, them just wandering around a bit, you know. And then I didn't understand why that kid was still hanging around. Like, he got out, he should get the hell out of there. I mean, he, yeah. was, saying, he was saying that he was going to, I guess, collecting guns. Like, maybe he was going to try to help get Beth out. But at the same time... He, at the end of the episode he tells them oh they got lots of people and lots of guns you're never going to be able to get them out so if that's what's his intent then why would he be there anyway why didn't he just try to get the hell out of there i was yeah. hanging around you know yeah so it didn't and then the, obviously the van thing didn't make any sense like if a van is like tipping over the edge and it falls and then like, it lands it's not gonna fall like land like this <laughs> i thought well maybe it like did a whole flip did it like <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely either going to land on its right down on its nose or it's going to land on its back. Right? Yeah. It's not going to land on its tires at all. No, especially because the engine's in the front, so all the weight's in the front. Right. It's going to... And just all the momentum I mean, from going over the side is either going to carry it over to land on its back or right on its, or right on its nose. Either way, they're probably dead. Yeah. they're not going to survive that. Yeah, but they buckle up. Yeah, and, and they, they hold they, hands. They just like they land like a cat, you know, and then they're just like, oh, oh are you okay? Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> and then like a second later, they're walking off. It's like, you know, yeah. you just—it's one of those things you just kind of gotta like move on and for TV, you know. Right. But, right. Yeah, and it's it, a, it's a pretty quality show, and every once in a while, if you get a clunker scene or a clunker episode, like that's okay, I guess. And I didn't watch The Talking Dead on that one, but I guess they actually had a thing where they showed that scene and how they did it. I was just thinking, how, why would they like want to, you know, accentuate that scene? <laughs> well, they didn't really. If I remember it correctly, they didn't really show the stunt from, like, they didn't show a wide, you know, camera angle of the stunt. They just kind of talked about it. So they didn't I saw show something like, where they showed, I guess, like the 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 van being held up by like. Yeah, like a, a harness like, or something. Yeah, and then they just let it go, and I'm like, well, yeah, that makes sense of how it lands on all fours. But it doesn't make sense if it's going over the side of a of a bridge. I thought you were going to talk about this past uh, this past episode's Talking Dead with uh, what's her name was on the couch, uh, Rosita. No, I didn't watch that one either. Oh yeah, you should watch that. I have them saved. I'm like behind, so I don't want to like. Yeah. I missed one episode, and now it's been like a, I'm behind by like three of them, so I need to go catch up on the Talking Dead. But I've seen all the, the Walking Dead episodes. Yeah, you definitely need to do yourself a favor and watch that. <laughs> I think the last one I watched was the one before the the, the van one, the episode before that. I wish it would have been the one with Eugene there or whatever. When, yeah. 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 All right, so nice. you want to get to the show topic? Yeah, you want to give uh, give everyone sort of a, just a quick overview of what we're going to do? 
Yeah, we thought it would be cool to, you know, for the for the last couple of months, we every now and then we get questions from people, and and we thought about doing like a segment where we'd have at the end of it, every show maybe have a segment where we answer some questions that people have, and and then I think you threw out the idea maybe we should just have a, a whole show where we just answer viewer questions, and and it might be something that if people like this, so we could just do this every now and then, you know, once we get enough questions, then we'll just do a viewer question show, kind of like a a monthly mailbag kind of thing. Yeah. And so we just, you know, we asked for questions. We got a a list of some questions, you know, some questions. Some of them are silly stuff. Some of them are, are serious, you know, writing-related questions. And mm-hmm. we were just going to kind of go through each one and give our give our thoughts on it. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds great. I'm going to – I've got landscapers outside my window, so I may Is be that manually, what I hear? Yeah, I may be manually muting when I'm not speaking just so you know what I'm doing. It's a very comforting sound, though. It's a nice I was wondering home. if it's... that was like outside my window or if that was yours. Yeah, it's a leaf blower. And it's not even Monday, so I don't even know what they're doing out there. But... Oh, they're blowing leaves. Uh, well, hey! <laughs> <laughs> Nothing gets past you, man. I'm a smart guy, I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, well, I'm ready. I even took some, I got some notes ready here and uh, been, been thinking about this a little bit. So... Oh, you got notes and everything. I didn't yeah. even take notes. Yeah. I'm just going to wing it, so my answers will probably be like two words, and then I'll just let you, since you got the notes. Oh, I notes, doubt that. I doubt that your answers are going to be two words. <laughs> since you got the notes, I figure I'll just you know work off of what you got. Okay. Right, so we should maybe uh, start with a, a tough question from okay. Joe Hart. I'm ready. So Joe Hart asked us, uh, why are you both so damn sexy? Yeah. I, uh, I spent hours thinking about this one. You may and... as well get the tough ones out of the way right at the beginning. Yeah, I don't... I think it's... Joe, I think it's really hard to define sexy. And um, mm-hmm. I know he's taking notes on this show now because he probably wants to figure it out. But right. uh, it's mysterious, Joe. And I honestly don't know why we're so damn sexy. It's just... It's very difficult to explain. I mean, <laughs> there, there, there's just... Uh, there's so many different things. There's so many possibilities, you know. It's it's hard to say which one it is. I mean, it could be yeah. the hat. It could be the hair. It could be the sunglasses. <laughs> it could, it could be, be the natural new, charm. My new kind of goatee thing that I'm trying to bring in. <laughs> it could be a popcorn machine. It could be a, a pile of paper. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something you have there, but you don't have really anything. <laughs> No. You have an no. abandoned attic. Yeah, it could be the ceiling, the vaulted ceiling. I don't know. How tall is that ceiling? Eh, you probably can't see. Now that's no. not my dog, so I know that's not my dog barking. That's probably my my house. <laughs> All right, yeah, well, that I was mean, that sorry, was a great Joe, first I mean, question. So thanks, Joe. It's uh, a little weird that he would ask that question. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if we should have him on the show next week. Now, well, we we can ask him about it when he comes on for next the next yeah, like show. Why why we, why is that of all things? That's what you wanted to know. It's a very right. good question, though. It's a very good question. All right, so now we should go with something you know, a little a little less serious. Yeah, go that. with something lighter than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Zach Bohananon. I don't know how to pronounce his last Zach name. Zach B., so. yeah. Bohanan, Bohananon. Bohananon. I mean, it's Bohananon now, I guess, since that's what I okay. said. Okay. Sorry, Zach. That's what you... Zach <laughs> that's Bohananon. That's pronunciation. 
<laughs> do you guys both do you guys both think it is just as important in horror to write in a series as opposed to standalones? Huh. You want to take this one first? Uh, sure. Um, I guess it depends. You know, do you want to sell books or do you want to just write? You know, for fun and and not actually make any money. Uh, no, I I think that in any genre, it's probably better to write in a series. Um, or maybe, I mean, there are definitely more, I would say, horror authors that write standalones than, than series. It seems that way, at least. Uh, at least it was in the past. Uh, you know, where like a thriller author or something like that, a lot of times they would have a whole series of books, you know, with the same detective or whatever. Whereas authors like, like Stephen King or whatever, you know, most of his books are, are complete standalones. And so I think with horror, it does lend itself a little bit more to the standalone. But getting readers is still difficult with standalones as an indie author. So I would recommend that if you can uh, come up with an idea that that you can build into a series, it'd probably be the best way to go. But I'm not against a standalone if it's a really strong story. Yeah, I, I agree. I two two series of mine started as standalones and. And because of what was happening at the time and because of advice I got from, from other writers, I, I kind of turned them into a series. And, and there, you know, to be fair, there are the, there's the occasional review from someone that says, I really don't want to have to buy book two. And I, I kind of wonder why. Like, I, you know, I, as a reader, if I read a book one of a series and I like it and I like the author, I wouldn't necessarily complain that there was then more to read. To read, like I think I would like that. I don't know, but um, I, I just want to recognize that there are some people who really enjoy a standalone, and maybe they have fear of commitment or <laughs> or something. But uh, I, I would say, like, yeah, if you're if you're starting out now and you want to build readership, uh, no matter what the genre is, the best way to do that is to is to write in series because people get uh, people get attached to either the characters or the world or both. And, um, and yeah, and it's, you know, that book one becomes a sales funnel. You know, there, there's things you can do with a book one, like, uh, you know, make it perma-free or make it cheap. Uh, and that works to sort of draw, draw readers in. Uh, I, I really can't think of a major downside to, to writing in series, really. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's, there's a, every now and then there'll be that person that, that kind of thinks you're trying to milk them or something. Yeah. Or, or that, that you'll never finish the story and you're just dragging it out and, and I'm sure there are cases of, of people just dragging a series out and just trying to get, you know, as many books as possible out of it. And I don't recommend doing that. I, but at the same time, like you said, having that funnel, you know, is very important. And if you just write standalones, it can be difficult sometimes to get people to go from one to the next. So it, yeah. it, takes, it's, it takes a different kind of marketing approach. Yes. Yeah, I agree. All right. So uh, moving on. All right. There you go, Zach. Yeah, well, Zach, one, one thing we should probably point out is that we, you know, we got questions about there probably from like five people. So. <laughs> so Zach will probably come up again. You know, Zach Mahananan. We'll call him Mac Lohan next. Yeah, time. maybe I should just like make up different names when I do his next one. Yes, yeah, that'd be a just, great idea. Yeah. <laughs> I need to come up with some funny names to put me on the spot. Okay, we'll go to. Uh, David J. Delaney. David Is Delaney, that? yes. Delaney, Delaney. Yeah. DJ, we'll call him. DJ. DJ. He probably hates that, but oh well. 
He says, apart from writing, what do you think is the number one activity new authors like myself should be doing to build their platform? <laughs> Your turn. They should All be doing right. Udemy courses, right? Uh, no, no. Um, this is, God, this is such a tough question. And I feel oh, like I no would matter... have saved that one for later then. You gotta let well, no, know. I mean, I feel like no matter what, I feel like no matter what we say or what anyone says, um, it's not really going to apply to to everyone. Well, I mean, for that matter, nothing is. But you know, uh, Nick Stevenson just put out a blog post today, and and it it has to. He's kind of pushing back on the on the advice that the best thing to do is to keep writing more books. And and ch if you check out the post, maybe we'll link to it in the show notes. I mean, he's it's a very legitimate pushback on on that. However. Uh, each book sort of increases your visibility um, in, in exponentially. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I would say, yes, like it's almost an assumption that you should keep writing and that when you finish one book, you should start writing a next book. And there's, there's many reasons for that. Marketing aside, like just keeping your writing muscle, you know, active and staying in that mindset uh, I, I know for me it's dangerous. If I go a couple months without writing and I come back to it, it's really hard. And mm -hmm. so from that standpoint alone, even if you're not publishing something, I think you should, you should always, always be writing. What uh, I, I would tell David, though, is I think um, at this point for me, like, I, I would reach out to other authors and try and, and co-create or collaborate or... I mean, like, like what we're doing, you know, like whether it's a podcast or it's a, a writing project or um, just getting getting yourself connected with other writers who are in the same sort of stage or, or career path. I think that's there's something really intangibly great about that. And I can't ex exactly describe it, but th I think that builds your platform uh, in a way that it's hard to quantify. I don't feel like I'm making any sense here. Jump in. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways, I mean, that you can answer that question. I mean, everybody sort of has a different opinion on how to how to build your platform. Uh, right. And what is a platform? That itself right, is a big exactly. question. Mm -hmm. For, well, don't be throwing more questions in here. We got to <laughs> yeah, with With a platform, I kind of feel like, you know, you want to, you know, make your website. You want to, you know, decide what social media you want to use. You don't, I don't feel like you need to use all of them. No. You know, and any if anything, using all of them kind of stretches you out too thin. Mm -hmm. You want to focus your attention on just a few, and build those right. And by build them, I mean just create them. Mm -hmm. And then you really kind of got to focus on your writing, and then try to try to steer people to those platforms. And you're never going to build an audience there until you build a writing on a reading audience. Really, you have right. to get the readers first before you're going to get anybody on to, to care about your Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Or go to your website or whatever, or even to, to check out, you know, a podcast or something maybe. I mean, you have to have some sort of, uh, you know, uh, stamp, you know, in the industry, whether it be through knowing other authors or whether it be through getting a lot of uh, sales. Whatever it is, you got to kind of got to do the work first. You got to write the books first. Um, just make sure you have those platforms ready to go so that if you gain a readership, you have somewhere to, to have them go. A lot of people created you know, would sell a lot of books, but they didn't have a mailing list or whatever. Yeah. And so how many people could they have gotten on their mailing list if they had had it, you know, right from the get-go? 
Yep. But they didn't have it right from the get-go. They waited a year or two. And then, you know, I mean, you might have done it. I did it. I know I yeah. did it. It was at least a year after I started before I built the mailing list. And by build, again, I mean just create it and have it there so people can sign up for it. Uh, in terms of building as in getting people to go to it or sign up for it, it's just a matter of writing good books that people want to hear from you. I mean, it's really no magic way of doing it otherwise, I think. I even made a bigger mistake than that. I created a mailing list early on, and then I let it die for like a year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I came back to it. And that was probably the worst thing you could do. <laughs> because then you have people that are like, who the hell are you? Why am I getting emails from you now? This is, you know, they don't even remember opting in a year earlier. Oh, I know. I have the same you know? problem. They'll, they'll like list it as being spam. Right. Emails. Right. But I think the core, I mean, every, I agree with everything that you just said. And I think at the core of all of that is, is authenticity. Like if you're, if you're getting on Pinterest because you want to optimize sales and you hear that that's the best conversion rate, that's the wrong reason to be there. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so picking a few that you genuinely enjoy doing will, will organically grow uh, that social media platform. But you're right, like the mailing list it sounds cliche and it sounds old school, but I, I believe it now. And I didn't believe it a few years ago until I saw what happened to MySpace. Um, you know, I was in a band at the time when MySpace was huge and we had 20,000 page views, which was the metric that MySpace used to use to kind of measure, you know, your, mm -hmm. your uh, profile. And, and in a matter of months that, that died, it was gone. Like MySpace was gone. And so any, anything other than email, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or, or, Hello, or any other platform that you don't own, you could become a victim almost overnight. And so building that email list and uh, you know, driving, driving to that list from your platform is critical, whether that's Facebook or a blog or Twitter or whatever, but that should be your ultimate goal is getting, getting readers on your list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I made the mistake of, of not really targeting uh, so much of my readers as I was just kind of targeting whoever it was like, Oh, you got to have a big mailing list. So I would just mm -hmm. do giveaways for Kindles and stuff like that. And of course you get all the people who just want a free Kindle on there and they don't yeah. actually care about your books. And at some point, you know, you build your mailing list up large enough and you end up having to pay for it. Usually you can yeah. get it for free for like the first certain number of subscribers. But, but I got to a point where I was having to cut so many people off my list because they just signed up for the free stuff and, and you really just want people there who, who actually care about your books. It gives you a better uh, gauge as to how well you're doing, I think. Yeah, I just, my last newsletter I sent out, I was uh, talking about exactly that. I said, I don't, I'm not after the most people. I want to get the right people. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I, and I even told people like, if you're getting this and you're not even sure why you were there or you don't want it anymore, please opt out. Like nothing personal, but like, I don't want to be sending stuff you don't want. And I don't want a list of people who aren't interested in being there. And uh, I don't, you know, I think that's what you, that's the key for me is finding the right people and people that want to share in my art and, and want to be part of that and not just the biggest list. Cool. All right. All right, let's go. We nailed that one. There you go, David. All right. From uh, Axel Rose sent this one in. Axel Rose. Sweet. Axel Rose. Yeah. Right. We, get a, we get a very diverse audience. How do you stay focused to see one project through without chasing rabbits <laughs> and starting on new ideas? Oh my, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I chase rabbits all the time. I'm, t I'm terrible at this. I I'll admit I got, uh, I'm sure I've got ADHD or ADD undiagnosed as an adult. I don't know. I'm sure I do. 
um, I get distracted uh, in, in good ways. Like I, we were talking earlier, um, you know, I just launched a new course, and that was a total distraction. I was like, you know, I was like, oh, that'd be pretty interesting to create a course and, and help people write a first book that for people who don't know where to begin. And and that was it. And then I. I don't want to say I lost two months of writing time, but I wasn't writing while I was working on this course. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. Are you any more disciplined? At no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm just as bad at, at, uh, at finding things to, you know, uh, get my mind. Like I said, I'm creative in so many different ways. Like I like to do mm-hmm. my own. I like to do as, as much as I can with my own book covers. I mean, most people, mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend most people do that, but if you have some skill with Photoshop and stuff, then you can. And so I, I get stuck, you know, making little advertisements or banner ads and weird stuff like that where, where I know I shouldn't be doing that. I should be writing, but it's difficult. Yeah. Now, as far as maybe, you know, he's just starting on new ideas, maybe as in writing ideas. Once uh, I'm in a book, I don't, I don't go, okay, I'm going to go start something new. Right. We need like to... a new book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I tend to want to see it through. Um, yep. And I think you just, as far as not, uh, you know, maybe having that urge to do something else, I guess maybe it's just, it comes down to, you know, what interests you the most. Like look at what, what ideas you have, try to pick the one that, that seems the most interesting to you and, and you, you kind of have to have some self-control. You got to say, look, yeah. if I don't finish one, then, and then if I keep chasing rabbits, I'm just never going to finish a book. And then, you know, where's my career going to go then, right? Yeah, and it's um, there's also a, an element of opportunity, sort of the re- why are you chasing those rabbits? And uh, here's an example, like this summer, I don't know if you saw, but uh, BookTrack was doing a Yuhawi-sponsored fan fiction contest I uh, and I jumped and I jumped into that and I wasn't in the middle of a book. I was kind of in between projects, but I, I dropped kind of dropped everything and, and jumped into that because it had a tight deadline and because it was a contest that interested me and because it was a project that I found really cool and I knew it was going to be short term. It was basically a short story. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I kind of chased that rabbit and that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. However, um, there have been some other things that I've chased um mostly around the marketing stuff that's where i get snagged the most yeah, yeah you know yeah. like i read something and then all of a sudden i want to change completely change the way i'm doing something and that's what takes time and i think that's what's dangerous for me you know what you know what i'll do is i'll i'll, I'll pick up a book from some other author it could be a traditional author or indie author or whatever and i'll and i'll just get it get a sample or something and i'll start to flip through it and i'll be like wow you know i really like their front matter like the way they put it together yes. or the way they like say like like certain things that you should do this or that. And so I want to go and change mine all the time. Yeah. And I, I understand like I, I feel like I have made it better, you know, through the progressions that I've done. But at the same time, it is right. like a it's like a time suck and it's something that probably doesn't make a huge amount of difference. But right. it's so easy for me to get distracted going, ooh, I'll, I'll do this, you know. Yes. And, and people will pay attention. And, and, you know, and, and you're right, there's probably a payoff, but they're, they're really small incremental payoffs. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to, it's hard to tell, <laughs> like, if that's really worth it. And, and yeah, it really does come down to sort of some self-discipline. But I, I would tell Axel Rose that if, uh, if you're in a project, uh, I would the put the blinders on and just stay in it. I mean, it took him forever to get Chinese democracy out. So maybe yeah. Axel gets easily distracted as well. Maybe. Well, obviously he does because he sent in this question. (laughs) Thanks, Axel, for your question. That was great. 
Alright, this one's from uh, Selena. Shapland, I'm guessing? Shapland? Selena, yes. I'm probably butchering people's names, but Selena's a nice name. I like that name. Yeah. Can you explain on one of your upcoming podcasts, which I guess is this podcast, <laughs> how you develop truly evil characters? I find developing these characters difficult. Where would a beginner start, and how can an aspiring horror writer overcome being too nice to their characters? <laughs> uh, I know where you're going, so... You do? I kind of have a feeling. Well, at least for me, it's kind of so to easy to, to develop easy evil yeah. characters. Because they're the most fun ones to write. So it's kind of a hard question to answer. But, but yeah, you go ahead. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I, I was going to say, I'm sorry, Celine. I can't help you there. Like, I live to write those evil <laughs> characters. Uh, like, what does that say about us, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like, that's the fun for me in writing in horror and dark fantasy is, is creating these just awful, awful entities and then, like, making them do nasty stuff to people. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like you get some weird enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I totally Torture do. Like I, I've never had an issue with like making a character evil enough. I, I, I'm sorry, Celine. I wish I had a better answer for you. Do you have any any practical advice for? Um, well, I guess maybe if you know your protagonist or let's say your good character, right? Mm -hmm. If you, if you know them really well, then maybe you can discover what their fears are. Or what what they're scared of and then that could help you uh build an evil character around that mm -hmm. uh, instead of just sort of having some random evil character i also think with 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 any book you don't really need to have necessarily an evil character right I mean, like we were talking about pet cemetery there's really no evil character in that book right it's, it, you know it's it's more about you know it's, but it's still about somebody's fears and about their emotions and about what scares them but it's not like this sort of cheesy Jason in a mask type of thing. Yeah, yeah, and I and honestly, like I'm not really. I'm, this is an area of my writing. I'll be honest. Like I I work really hard on, and I still have a ways to go because I get feedback from some readers who can't necessarily relate to some of my characters, and mm -hmm. and that's a problem. And I recognize that. And it, it's almost because I'm sometimes my characters are. <laughs> They're, they're so there's, evil that they're so evil, or they're so you know nasty that people can't relate to them in any way, and that's something I have to work on. No, yeah, I agree. I think that that in in a way, you want your your characters to be evil, but they have to have sort of true motivations. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really like evil just for the sake of being evil. Right. I like to have that kind of line there where you can almost see why they're doing what they're doing, mm -hmm. and and not and, and not sympathize with them you're still going to hate them but you but you kind of get it you know yeah uh there's a reason for why they're doing what they're doing you know a lot of times in stories it'll be like oh, it's a revenge kind of thing maybe mm -hmm. something happened to them or one of their family members and then so they go really become really evil or something right and so you can at least see the progression as to why they are the way they are instead of just creating something that's just like i said just pure evil straight from hell kind of character where yeah. it's not and you get into like you're really interested in like mythology and like mm -hmm. cult kind of stuff. So you probably go really deep into like these weird terms and stuff people don't really understand too, right? Well, I think a lot of uh, a lot of that has to do with sort of like demonic possession and and spirits and demons. And I think that's like when you get that inside of someone and that that's the like evil manifested. I think it's harder for people to relate to that physical character. Or maybe I'm just rationalizing my writing weakness. Whatever. Either way. <laughs>
Yeah, I don't know if we helped you out, Selena, because that, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why we write this stuff is because we like writing these these evil things. And and maybe if you're having struggling with it, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you're in the wrong genre. I don't. I, I was don't gonna say, say, like, yeah, that you know, that could be part of it too. Like, maybe maybe there's an element of sort of fantasy that Selena likes, and maybe mm. it's not really horror. Maybe it's more of a dark fantasy or, or you know, a paranormal type right. of thing. I don't know. All right, so uh, we'll go to uh, Josh Geffen. Who's Josh this? Josh Geffen. Josh Geffen, okay. Josh. Josh. He asked uh, a few questions. One, where's Dead Highways 3? Which is I my, think you uh, should answer that one. <laughs> I'll let you answer that. It's in Richard's head beneath his hat behind his sunglasses. Yeah, I mean, where do you think it is, Josh? It's on my computer. <laughs> I mean, like, where else would it be? Like, I don't write on a typewriter. I mean, of course, it's on my computer. Josh. As far as like when it's coming out, I mean, I don't know when I'm done. <laughs> you better get on it, man. Where is Dead Highway? I'm hoping, 3? I'm hoping to, you know, to, to start the new year off good. So maybe January, February, at the latest. So maybe so. it's Richard's New Year's resolution is that Dead Highway Three. No, I don't. Josh also asked, "Will you write more books about Gaki?" Which I don't even know what that yeah. is. I'm assuming that question's directed towards you. Yes, that's the. Uh, Maybe you can explain that because I don't. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, that's the hungry. A name for the hungry ghost. Also oh, there you go. The getting a little too. Uh, getting a little too in the weeds here. Yeah. So it's confusing uh, your audience. Yeah, Gaki is. Uh, is it comes from. I think it's Gaki. It's. It's a Buddhist. It's uh, comes from from Buddhism and Eastern spirituality, and it's it's basically an unsatiated ghost that kind of roams around and is never satisfied. And it, you know, it's it's a metaphor for a lot of things like addiction and loneliness and uh, and that type of thing. And and it's the main bad force in my Hidden Evil series. And so the answer is yes, absolutely. I have a, a whole new series that's starting, and it's going to feature that creature. Ha! You like that? <laughs> yeah, that was a great. That was good. Great huh? job. Yeah. 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 Um and then his final question was uh which this is kind of going with another one so maybe we'll sort of swing these two together. Okay. Is there any market for short stories like mm -hmm. like 99 cents a story type short stories, you know, for 99 cents I guess. Yeah. And there was another person that asked uh you know, what's the pros and cons of kind of writing short stories or novellas, novels and mm -hmm. Kind of a, a general uh, what to write kind of question and why one is, is, you know, maybe better or worse than other, I guess. Okay. Um, where do you want to start with that one? Or maybe just start with the short story thing first and go from there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, what is I your kind experience? Of, you have a lot of short stories. Out yeah, there, I, I, don't, I feel... I've really written a lot of short stories, but I haven't published yeah. most of them. But I, know, I see you have published some. Yeah, I feel pretty strongly about it um that if you're if you're looking at it from a standpoint of uh royalties uh anything but novels are a waste of time and and i mean i'm just being straight up honest about it I, and the show's over yeah <laughs> really no i mean for me anyways and i and in fact i heard on um, the last episode of uh, self-publishing podcast i think david was saying the same thing he's like they don't they can't sell short stories no matter what like those guys sell buttloads of books and short stories. They just cannot sell them. So, 
specifically with short stories, I use them as bonus material in box sets. So I'll write three or four short stories in the world of the series in which I'm writing, and then I only make those available in the box set. So there's, there's a value add to the box. Or I'll write them as uh, one-offs for like uh, fundraising events or for special events. Um, but I've given up on trying to sell short stories. And if I were submitting to magazines, maybe I would, I would write them. Or if I loved writing short stories, I would keep doing it, which I do. But a financial payoff, uh, I don't see it. And I don't see anyone making a lot of money from short stories. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you were going to write them, I mean, maybe write. If you have a ton of them, just put them in one book. Uh, I don't see the point in having each one out there at 99 cents. I don't know any any indie author or any author really period that that actually sells a ton of short stories yeah um, now I do see a a use for writing short stories I think yes. most, if you're a new author and you haven't written a lot of stuff uh, it's probably better to start writing short stories than to write a novel because mm -hmm. if you just try to write a novel it might seem overwhelming or it might you might end up just giving up on it a lot and and, and you also just need to learn how to how to sort of see a story through you know and build characters. And I think you can learn a lot by writing short stories. But yes. as far as developing a career around short stories, I mean, it's probably not going to happen. Now, and the other thing that short stories are great for if you're, if you're starting out is learning how to navigate the platforms because anything you have to do for yeah. a short story, you'll have to do for a novel. So yeah, you know, building the, the covers, having right. to, to upload and all that and stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's, it's, it's very easy to do that. You know, and if you've, I don't. That's why I said I shouldn't. I, I wouldn't recommend people not to write them. Mm -hmm. It's just if your if your end goal is just to make make money, then then yeah, short stories aren't going to be the way to go. But but I think in the beginning, definitely having some short stories up can be a way to at least start a presence. You know. Yeah, and it also gets you some some notice in the Amazon algorithm. If you know if you're just starting out and you only have one book or no books or two books, and you want to start building your author page on Amazon and start driving traffic, you can certainly publish some short stories. It's not going to hurt you. And when yeah. someone searches under your name, you're, you know, there's going to be more titles that show up. And then as you publish longer works, you, start you can start them. removing those. Yeah. And that's kind of what I did. I, I, you know, I started publishing shorts and then I started removing them as I was, you know, over the years. Uh, but, you know, the tie to that question, the, I, the thing with novellas, I kind of feel like novellas is a no man's land. <laughs> Like if there's some value to short stories that we just talked about and there's a clear value to novels, I don't know where novellas fit in. And I don't know if you have any experience with them, but they're extremely hard to market. Uh, people get, they feel gypped <laughs> when they get a novella. Like it's, like it should be a novel, but it's not. And Because they're very difficult to price. Like you don't want yeah. you kind of don't want to do the 99 cent thing because you're like, okay, that's where my short stories are. Right. But then if you put it like maybe 2.99 or something, then people it's might feel much. like it's too like it's too short for what you're getting. Yep. Um, I think that in general the, you know, you kind of start with like the low end is like flash fiction or something where it's just like mm -hmm. these really quick, very short stories, and poetry and stuff like that. Those are kind of your bottom of the barrel stuff. Really not going to probably sell anything with those. Right. I should know I got a poetry book. It doesn't it doesn't sell anything, and I spent so many years writing it. But I'm not bitter. But <laughs> no, not at all. No, and then you know you move up Someone to short please stories. Please buy Richard's poetry. <laughs> please, somebody buy it. And uh, so then you move somebody up to short poetry, stories, please. and and novellas, and then novels, and then I think as you get mm -hmm. higher, it becomes easier. 
So I do think it is easier with novellas yeah. than than short stories. I mean, I think Wool was a mm -hmm. was a novella, and yes. yeah. now he did give it away for free. So maybe that's a way you could go if you had mm -hmm. a series or you wanted to, to kind of set an idea out there where you had a kind of a novella length work where you could put it up as a free book, and then if, if people really like it, boom, then you go right into like a novel length kind of follow up, and that's kind of what he did. Right. And I could see the use in right. doing that. That has a much better chance than writing short stories. Because um, mm -hmm. there have been some people I've seen that have had success with novellas. Um, and no, well, it, novellas are very genre specific as well. Mm -hmm. Like you, I don't think you can get away with writing a novella in epic fantasy, but mm -hmm. a novella is almost, a novella could be the same size as like erotica. You know, there are some erotica books that are like novella length. So I think yeah. it really depends on the genre too. Oh, definitely with erotica, I mean, short can work i mean short mm -hmm. stories and erotica is probably what you want to be doing but in general in general we're probably not talking about erotica in most cases with, right. with what advice we're going to give but not on this get, show yeah well unless you want to start talking about the monrova monster again no that's all right <laughs> that's a kid's book it's not at all your, your book where you uh, teach kids about sex uh but anyway <laughs> So that is we, not true. If you're listening, that is not true. It's an old gag. Book, it's not true. The book is called the Monroeville monster. It has I mean, nothing to do with sex. What is the monster? man? I mean, come on. But even when you get up into novels, I think there, there's kind of a, I think there's kind of a sweet spot between maybe 50 or 60,000 words to 80,000 mm -hmm. where if, if you can hit that mark, you're right in that novel area where you can still sell probably between two ninety nine or four ninety nine. Yeah. And writing anything that's super long, unless it maybe is fantasy or something, is probably not the best idea. Epic uh, fantasy, I would clarify. Yeah. I would say not even regular, just epic fantasy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. There, there, there does come a point where it may be the longer the book you write, you end up kind of going back the other way where it becomes a little harder to sell then, or at very least you're going to feel as though you are owed more. And so maybe you'll price it higher and then you're going to sell less as a result. So if yeah. there's a way of, of even in epic fantasy, if you can break those up into, into a series where mm -hmm. there's more of a clear beginning and end to each book, but it's still a series that might be a better idea. And cause you don't want to write these giant 200,000 word things and then feel like, Oh, I got to make it nine ninety nine cause I spent two years <laughs> writing this thing. Yeah. And then you're not going to sell anything and it's just going to be a big waste. Yeah, I would, I don't know. I mean, this is just me, but I find as both a writer and a reader, that 60 to 70,000 word mark is really my sweet spot. I, I love writing. I love reading books at that length because it's not a major commitment mm -hmm. and I, and I can finish it in a reasonable amount of time. And as for me writing that, that feels to me like enough space to tell the story and, it's just me, but like that's that's my sweet spot is like sixty to seventy k. Yeah, and it's weird. Like I don't know if it's like a weird um, thing, like in your brain where you're not, where you like I look at like a book. I'm up, you know, my bookshelf. I got like Stephen King's Under the Dome or whatever. Yeah, I've never actually even read that, but but I have it. I got and, it on my Kindle this week. It was on sale. Oh, did you? Well, I got the yeah. I got the hardcover, right? So it's like giant. Mm. Like it's this huge, yeah. <laughs> and every time I look at it, I'm always thinking, man, that, that's just going to take me a while. Right. And I don't want to start it and then like stop because I've done mm -hmm. that before, not with that book, but with some other books where you, you get halfway through 
and you're already have read like 500 pages and maybe you get sidetracked with something else yeah and then you don't end up finishing and then i feel like i gotta go back again and start reading it from the beginning because i'll have forgotten stuff or whatever and so but if he took that same book and, and chopped it into two or three books i probably would have already read it yes just because even though it's the same length it's the same story mm -hmm. it's weird as if you, you chop it in these like smaller pieces it feels more manageable yeah it's like, you know, if I have a piece of pizza on a stupid, like, comparison, if you have a pizza pizza and you try to shove it all in your mouth and swallow it, it seems like it's going to, you choke on it or something. Whereas if, you know, you take smaller bites, it's easier to get down. I know you could go yeah. somewhere really, really dirty with that. I, I'm not even going to touch that. I yeah. could see your smile developing. You served it up and I was like, no, nah, that's too easy. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to get you back in that, you know. Monroeville monster kind of, kind of mode, but I forgot what the question is. Oh, I think we pretty much. Uh, I think we got that. that. Yeah, it was about sort of what to write and. Definitely, yeah, novels I is the way got... to go. If you can yeah. write it in a series, that's the best way to go. Yeah, and um, if you love writing shorts because you love it and you want to learn how to build a platform, that's great too. But don't expect to make a lot of money doing it. Okay, this one is a. Uh, got another one from Mulzac. Zach. Bahananon. Bahananon. <laughs> Bahananon. I was curious if you guys are making a living writing. I like how you start laughing. Like you're like, yeah. Is it? Is this all you do for income? If so, I'd be interested to hear, kind of how you guys transitioned into that. I think you should start with this one because you and I are in a really different spot here. Um. I guess the answer would be sort of like it's definitely all I do for income. I don't have another job, uh, so I am making a living. Uh, it's 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 not a uh, uh, I'm not Axel Rose, right? I'm not like I haven't got to where I want to be. Uh, I do earn money from my writing. It's not a ton of money, uh, but uh, I'm fortunate to be in a situation where my wife, uh, you know, has a job. She's able to to take care of a lot of stuff as well. So. Um, yeah, I, I kind of as far as transitioning into it, um, you know, it was a, a kind of, I kind of got lucky in a way. I mean, my wife, uh, like I said, uh, basically gave me the opportunity to be able to, to really try my hand at it and see what I could do. And as a result, I've been able to start, I started making, you know, $20 a month or something. It was nothing. And I mean, now there's months I can make over like two grand. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's not like, you know, again, I'm not going to be buying a mansion or something anytime soon or driving around in limo like uh, Jay Thorne. But, <laughs> but, you know, I'm doing okay. And uh, I think as far as, you know, just transitioning for other people, I mean, you just got to, you know, I know most people are going to have a regular job and they're going to have to to work, you know, when they can. And for some, for some, <laughs> for some reason, it actually sometimes it's easier when you have another job. Mm -hmm. You know, because you you know that in those two hours or whatever you have to write, you you have to do it. Whereas if you're you're like us maybe or like me, you know, it's easy to 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 have your mind wander and and to do other things if you're stuck at home all the time. And and uh, I think you, you just gotta write when you can, when you get enough books out and you start making some sales. You know, everybody's got to kind of come to their own determination as to what point they feel comfortable uh, moving into as a full time author. I think you would want to have at least, you know, maybe six months to a year of 
very steady sales before you'd want to chance it unless you're in a situation where you have a significant other or something who 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 takes home enough money that it's not a big deal what do you well think? said yeah uh I've been reading a lot recently on Parkinson's law, which uh, is this idea that a is task that will Michael take... Is that Michael J. Fox law? No. Well, that was bad. That was so bad. <laughs> Parkinson's law is this <laughs> idea totally threw that... You off. Uh, yeah. That a, that a task will, uh, will fill the amount of time you set to complete it. And I think this is what Richard's talking about. So if you, if you have two hours to write you'll write in those two hours, but if you have 12 hours to write, you'll, you'll write in the 12 hours. And so more time doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be more productive. So yeah, you'll have 12 hours and you'll still only write two. Right, right. <laughs> the now, other like time I... you're on YouTube. <laughs> doing podcasts or yeah, something. Yeah, you're, you're doing podcasts or watching, you know, <laughs> silly podcasts. No, I, you know, writing, I'm not a, I'm not a quote unquote full-time writer. Uh, I have, I do independent uh, consulting and freelance work, and, and that's mostly how I pay the mortgage. I probably work in that job 50-plus hours a week. Uh, I'm married with two kids. I have a mortgage. I squeeze my writing in when I can. And I think contrary to what is said a lot around, like I think you really need to ask yourself if you want to be a quote-unquote full-time writer. And, and here's why I mention this. Right now, I don't feel pressure to write because I have to pay the mortgage with it. And I think Richard, you're in the same, you're in the same situation. You're not writing because you have to write to eat. And I think that's a different, that's a different experience. And I don't know if I want that. Like I, I love writing so much that if I felt like I had to do it to survive, it wouldn't be as much fun. So when I first started out, that was my goal. I think that's everyone's goal is like, I want to be a full-time writer and sit in a shack in the woods and just type and pontificate or sit on the beach and you know the money will come rolling in uh, but I, I don't I don't necessarily know if I want that anymore like I I because I'm so busy with other stuff I value the time I have to write and I enjoy it because it it's sort of an escape and and I'm not I'm not making as much money as you I'm, I'm you know on a good month I probably make 1500 bucks and clearly that's not gonna support my family no, I didn't say like I don't make two grand you know a month I, I've made two grand <laughs> like uh, yeah yeah it's, it's okay. not it's not a steady thing and that's the right that's, that's the, the other issue. thing too yeah is that is you can make you know hundreds one month and then make thousands another month. Yes. It kind of just depends and so you have to to really plan ahead a lot yeah and so like I, I don't know so I don't I know I haven't been there like I haven't I haven't quit my job to write full-time and maybe I would feel differently um, I'm just not in a situation where I feel a great urge to do that. Like I, I'm really fulfilled with what I do in my day job. I enjoy it. I make decent money. Um, my family's comfortable, and I still get to write. So at this point, like, uh, you know, maybe those are golden handcuffs, but I, I'm pretty happy with that, and I, I don't feel a big urge to, you know, shake yeah, the I man. Yeah, I think it depends. <laughs> you know, like you've said before, you actually enjoy your day job and everything too, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people. You know, like I, my job before I was. And I'd worked like 10, 10 or 11 hours a day, and it was like backbreaking work. Yeah. So like I would get home, and I didn't want to write at all. Yeah. And so that was definitely if I could get out of that, it was like a, a huge benefit to me. But, yeah. but for, you know, like you said, it, it depends on, on the individual, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, now, if you reached a point maybe where you were selling so well that 
that's if you different. didn't ever have to worry about it, then right. yeah, maybe you just stop doing the other thing, and then you have so much free time that you can do other things and right. you know, go on vacations or whatever, you know. But but that's a level beyond sort of basic needs too. That's like yeah, really yeah, raking yeah, it yeah. in, you know. Like if you were, um, you know, yeah, if you were really raking it in, that's a totally different situation. But yeah, just just transitioning from. I mean, do you have any advice for people as far as just that transition period if they're trying to transition into being a I, you know I. Author? I honestly don't that. because I haven't I haven't done that you know mm-hmm. I it's I would it wouldn't be it would be great advice because I haven't gone through it I mean what I will say is I've um, for money I have like stocked supermarket shelves I've dug ditches I've worked at a car wash I've worked at a restaurant I've worked God, at it's a like record we've had store the same work history you know like so I get like I, I get at it a car when, wash. like I you, worked at a grocery store yeah so like yeah man so like you With know when you come home from that like you've but, but you know, so I, I'm I'm saying like I understand what that feels like when you come home from that, and the last thing you want to do is like sit down and write something. And so like trend, so I don't know if if I was still in that situation, maybe I would feel differently. Um, but if, I think if you have a day job that isn't killing you, it's not necessarily a bad thing to want to, you know, to to stick around. And if you're still getting your writing done. Now, when you worked at this car wash, did they train you how to do stuff? <laughs> Because when I worked there, they were literally like, here's a sponge, now just start washing. And then I would start washing, and they would go, well, you're doing it the wrong way. And then they would like, you know, oh, they get all jerkish at me and be like, hey, you're supposed to clean the tires this way. Well, you didn't tell me, you asshole. Like, it's yeah. supposed to train me. So I quit that shit after like two days. I was like, you know what, man? I, I worked at a car wash for four years, and I, I got to tell you, if you wash cars for a living, like it's you, hard. you got a lot of respect for me because I like you have to. There's a hierarchy at the car wash, and when I started, <laughs> I got handed a towel, and my job was to wipe rims. So yeah. like all day long, you're bent over, yeah, it's hard wiping tires, and, and like you got to do that for years before you like graduate up to body and then to <laughs> windows, and then eventually you you hope you're the guy that drives the car onto the belt at the front, so, like so that's you your make, goal, right? Yeah, so you could make eight bucks an hour. Right, that's hard shit, man. I I I don't, yeah, I totally have a lot. I have so much respect for people who who have physical jobs every day like I and there's the, always the girls in the bikinis that, that you know they can get away with not doing as much work so you end up having to do more work <laughs> yeah those girls never did shit I hated that yeah and they never even looked they never even acted like I was even there and, and as Joe Hart knows I'm a pretty sexy guy I know I know and it, was I, like... it was like oh I'm the new guy so we'll just treat him like shit and I was never, I never got the soap but about their it. breasts either. That's what, that, that really irritated me. Like, you never I never got that shit. You never got to suck their breasts? No, soap them. Soap oh. them, you know? <laughs> I think we're on to the next question. All right, hold on. I'm not, I lost my focus now. <laughs> um, okay, Vince Neal. Vince Neal. Vince Neal, yeah. Shout out to the devil, baby. He wants to know, uh... How do you guys research? Do your research for your books? Oh. I'm halfway through Preda's Realm, and Dead Highways. Apparently, he likes you know reading really bad books. <laughs> and was wondering what you did to research them before writing. You want to take that one first? Sure. <laughs> as far as Dead Highways, I didn't have to do a whole lot of research, <laughs> um, and I like it that way. Yeah, I knew <laughs> you, know, you I wanted, were going there. <laughs> I created I created a character that doesn't know a whole lot and kind of just stays inside, and and it was very easy to 
to uh, just, and since the whole story is from his point of view, it's first person, it's very easy to uh, not have to, to worry about researching anything. Uh, so there's very little, I mean, there's always tiny little things, you know? Yeah. Like, like you certainly don't want to screw up, you know, your guns or whatever, because somebody will tell you in a review that you... Oh, yeah. I got burned you, uh, on that a yeah. few times, yeah. Everybody has had that. You know, and you, if, you, <laughs> if you've written enough books, you're going to get a review saying that you screwed up something with a gun. Right. But, uh, <laughs> so there's always little things like that, you know, where you go through the course of a story and you have to... to okay, you know, now they need to... Especially in, in Dead Highways, is a post-apocalyptic thing, so, okay... Uh, yeah, I understand the premise of siphoning gas and stuff like that, but maybe I should go look it up just to, to be absolutely sure and little little things like that, you know. Um, yeah. But overall, like the book, I, the book I had written before that was was called Titanic with Zombies, which we talked about mm-hmm. on the last podcast with Simon because he did the audiobook, and that one was just like a total research, right? So I, I needed to, to to know everything about the Titanic. Mm-hmm. I needed to know everything about what happened on the journey. Because I wanted it to feel very authentic, but with zombies on it, right? I wanted it to feel like this is really the Titanic, and this is really what could have happened. Yeah. And so I spent a lot of time researching that one. I think that when, when, when it came to Dead Highways, I was kind of like, you know what? I want to do something a little bit easier this time. So I try to focus mostly on, on stuff that I either know or is very easy, and I don't want to, to do kind of a Dan Brown thing where i got to yeah. spend years researching something. But that's just my own personal preference. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much the same way. Uh, I, I don't I don't do like book research necessarily, like traditional research. I think it, I start with something that I'm interested in. Uh, so as, as you mentioned earlier, Richard, like uh, you know, I have a, a big interest in the occult mythology. Well, I just naturally read read about that stuff. So it's not it's not like I have to go looking for the information. It's probably something I came across. So mm-hmm. for Predator's Realm, which is book one of Hidden Evil. You know, that, that creature is something I read in some Japanese mythology, and the only additional research I did for that is I watched uh, Eduardo Sanchez's film, uh, I think it's called Seventh Moon, which is, which is a story about the Gaki, so check it out if you, if you like that story. Uh, and then for book two, uh, book two of that series, the um, Hidden Evil series, it, a lot of it has to do with a fire department, uh, and so I went and I interviewed... Uh, three uh, firemen at my local fire department and I spent about three or four hours with them and really what I was looking for was I wanted to have sort of authentic process. It's like when a, when a call comes in to dispatch, what happens? Mm-hmm. And, and what do they send? And when they send it, like who goes? Like I wanted to get that stuff right because I felt like if I didn't get that right, um, it, would, it wouldn't be as authentic and it's sort of like that gun thing. Like people would be like, hey, you know what the hell you're talking about. So. Um, but but that, none of that is like really hardcore, like go, going through yeah, the library, you know, like 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 the, the Titanic was zombies thing. It was, that was one of those where I had to sort of do a lot of pre-research, like in order yeah. to even start the story, I had to know all this stuff. Whereas usually I like to just you know if if in the course of a story I come across something that I need to to know, then I do you know you know do the simple mm-hmm. Doctor Google or whatever, or yeah. the Google as uh, Jim Cooper calls it. The Google, yeah. The Google. Or, or you know, I, I don't really yeah. go to the library much anymore because it's kind of just lost its value, really, and with the Internet. But No, I will say going to the library itself, I've always enjoyed that. Like I, yeah, I like going to libraries. Like, yeah. No, I mean, like, going to the library to look, like, to research, I enjoy it. I just, it's more of a luxury now. And, like, it, maybe, maybe if I was only writing, I would go to the library and do a ton of research because I enjoyed it. But, like, Wikipedia... <laughs> 
I'm going to pull up Wikipedia, and at the bottom of the Wikipedia article, I'm going to have 10 other sources, you know, primary sources I can hit. This doesn't make sense to, to go to the library for stuff I need. Yeah, it's just I like going just for the sort of the, uh, the atmosphere. You know? Yeah, It's like right. quiet. Everybody knows to be quiet. You know, it's, it's like you, people yeah. are supposed to be quiet at a movie theater, but they're still talking the whole time. And it's yeah, like, the, the library is one of the few places left where you can usually expect actually, silence. Yeah, yeah. Because it might just be because of the quality of people who go to a library are usually probably better than the quality of people who just go see an average movie. That or they're just so, old. Right. They just well, they're just more respectful of other people. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I could even see sitting there maybe writing in a library. I like the yeah. atmosphere, I like the, the, the you know the smell of those books and stuff. Whenever I travel, I try and find like the the the, the oldest library in the city. So, because um, I, I think that's really cool. There's usually some great architecture and. You know, libraries were a big deal back then. If, you know, you build a library today, it's just a shitty building that holds books. But, you know, 50, 60 years ago, like a library was like the cornerstone of a community. And old libraries are kind of cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, uh, as far as research, I mean, for me, I like to just write, you know, yeah. as little as possible. But, but yeah. if, you know, you're always going to be certain little things. And I even just Pet cemetery, I was kind of, I'm finishing up on the end of it and, uh, I was thinking when, when spoiler, but but he shouldn't be really a spoiler. But he's in the in the graveyard and he's got these tools and different things with him. And I was thinking in my head, well, you know, King probably, you know, either either he knew this stuff or he probably had to go, you know, research a little bit. Like, what would you mm -hmm. need to? What are the proper ways that, that a funeral service buries somebody? Yeah. Like, like how does it work? Like, how right. how deep? How necessarily? How deep is it? What kind of liner and all that stuff that he talks about? He probably didn't. He probably didn't really know this stuff, or maybe he mm -hmm. did because I think he might have actually worked as like a in a graveyard at once, I believe, when he was yeah. younger. But but it's one of those things that I'm thinking. You know, that's that's kind of an example of something little that you would want to look up just to, so it feels authentic to the reader and you're not just bullshitting. But it takes you know no time at all to to find that information. Yeah, and and really it can be kind of an enjoyable process if the re research is having a conversation with someone. So if mm -hmm. you're doing something like a crime thriller and you have a local, you know, detective who will sit down with you for an hour, that's really cool because you get you get like really interesting stuff that you won't necessarily get from a book. And then the second piece to that is if you're writing, if you're writing in a setting that exists or or a place you've been, I find that's really helpful too. So almost all of my books are written in cities that I've either lived in or visited, and I think that that helps too. It cuts back on the amount of research you have to do. Yeah, I had some. I started at Highways back in in Florida in the town I used to live in, and I'll be moving back there actually soon. But but uh, I actually had some people. Uh, um, send me messages and stuff saying, mm -hmm. you know, they're from the area and they're like, yeah, wow, it was awesome to see you have this book in that area. You know, I'm sure you've gotten the same thing. And yeah. they actually recognize like the landmarks and the locations that I'm talking about and stuff. Right. Yep. All right. So, uh, from uh, cinnamon holiday, cinnamon, <laughs> cinnamon holiday, good old cinnamon. Uh, I'm guessing it's just she, you know, cinnamon, maybe, Let's if go with J that. If Jay Thorne could have any other job in the world, what position would he play for the Pittsburgh Penguins? <laughs> and would he be better than Cindy Crosby? Yeah, and it says not a typo, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I grew up, uh, when I was growing up in Pittsburgh, it was the Mario Lemieux era. So uh, I like, I like uh, Cindy Crosby, but I have to say Mario Lemieux. Uh, if I could play on his right wing, that would be my dream job. Is it Mario or Mario? Hmm. I guess it's tomato, tomato. 
Just one of those nobody really knows. Yeah. I've never had a chance to ask him. So you absolutely would if you had any other job it would be to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with what I do now. I, like, I don't, I'm not dying to, like, for a major life change, you know? And uh, also Cinnamon's uh, friend, Strawberry Fields, uh, which I'm guessing also is a female. But you never know. Hopefully. She asks, assuming there is already some other douche using the name Richard Brown in the world of professional wrestling, what would Richard's wrestler name be? Well, that one's, I, I, would, I was thinking probably Thorn. Richard Thorn? No, no, just Thorn. <laughs> just Thorn, and okay. Yeah, I could have like a cool, like maybe when I was a child, you know, my dad was really abusive or something, and he threw me into like a thorn bush or something. Yeah. You know, cool. and I got all these like horrible scars like all over my face and my body. And so yeah. I grew I grew up, you know, being picked on and being treated, you know, like this 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 monster, like the Frankenstein monster or something. And now I gotta like live in the shadows and <laughs> and everybody's afraid of me. You know, and it would be like an awesome wrestler, I think. I think so. I like it. I think you I could do just it. grunt and stuff. Thorn. I mean that's a cool cool name too. <laughs> you know, you gotta have a good story if you're gonna be a wrestler. Yeah, you do. You need a good backstory. You need uh, you need almost create your own world. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to have like one of those handlers, you know, that come out with me, because I just grunt and stuff. So they, you know, it's not like they can do an interview with me. He would have to come out, tell my story about how you know I got scarred up and everything, and and why I'm the way I am, and why you should fear me. You know. I like it. I think and why I, why I now you know, am able to express myself by wearing a Speedo in a ring with other men wearing Speedos. I think it makes perfect sense. I, I can see that trajectory taking you right to the ring. Yeah. Thanks, Zach, for saying, I mean, I mean, Strawberry Fields for uh, asking that question. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. All right, so we're coming up on the, the back end here. Uh, let me see yep. what we haven't, let me see what we haven't touched on yet. Coming up on our hour, and I think we're almost through the questions, right? Uh, I think there might be one more. I think there was something about, uh, well, no, I think we may have. Oh, okay, dividing yeah, your day okay, up. Yeah, yeah from yeah. DJ, uh, our buddy DJ. DJ, okay. Uh, asks, how do you divide your day up as an indie author in regards to writing, marketing, and business elements with running your own enterprise? That makes us sound like, like we're really doing something special. We got an enterprise. <laughs> An enterprise, like uh, flying the enterprise, like yeah, uh, yeah, like some kind of Star Trek thing going on. We got. <laughs> well, how do you do it? How do you <laughs> well, divide your goes, day up? <laughs> this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, yeah. the ADHD thing. Right. My day sort of just gets divided <laughs> up by however I wake up, you know, and feel that that certain day. It's not the the right way to do it, but you know, I'm still I'm still working that out, really. Trying yeah. to find a schedule that that works for me, that, that that where I can be the most productive, where I don't uh, spend too much time, like you said, marketing and wasting my time doing little things like that when I need. Mm -hmm. I know I need to be spending most of my time writing. Um, ideally, I, I think I would like to have sort of two-hour blocks where maybe I write for two hours, take an hour break, write for another two hours, take an hour break, you know, thing like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't sit there for longer than two hours and stare at the screen. I start to like go crazy and then I'll get a headache or whatever. And so I need to, to get up from the chair and, 
and, and do something else for a little bit. So, you know, kind of breaking it up. And then maybe at the end of the day, it's kind of, once your writing is done, then you can look to marketing mm-hmm. and, and doing those little things. But I, the writing probably should always come first. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. That's how I was. If you get into the, if you get into the marketing thing first, well then you kind of get stuck there. And I think, and maybe you'll go, Oh, well yeah. I'll just write tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the 80, 20 rule is, is one that's been kind of thrown around a lot, but I, I don't even think it has to be that structured. I, I think for me, uh, it's most important that I get my writing done first thing in the morning and primarily because I'm most creative when I get up and secondly when I get my writing done it's like the rest of my day is gravy like to me that's the most important work I want to do and so if I can get that done and I'm like you like no matter what even if I had all day like after two hours uh, a two-hour session especially in a first draft mode like I'm spent like I mm-hmm. that's it like I, you know it's out and I could probably come back and write another couple thousand words later in the day, but I know it wouldn't be as good. So I, I guess for me, like getting the writing done early and getting it done first and then doing the marketing as needed at other points in the day is kind of how I operate. Yeah, I mean, you just got to find a system that works for you. I mean, I've seen mm-hmm. other authors who they'll write for like 50 minutes and then they'll do like 10 minutes of like social media and then they'll write mm-hmm. for another 50. And they just they've just developed a habit, I guess, where they instead of trying to avoid using social media, they, they've just decided I'm going to do it 10 minutes every hour. And then they're able to do that. For me, I don't want to have just 50 minutes and then have to get out for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's too easy to just spend way longer than 10 minutes on social media sometimes. Yeah. And, and I, to get I, distracted. And so I have to get that yep. those two hours at least before I take any kind of break. Right. I've gotten really, uh, I've gotten really good at sort of using what time I have because it's so limited. And so I, like, I'll save a lot of my social media stuff when I'm like dropping my son off at the hockey rink and, and I'll have my phone or I'm like waiting for him to come out. Um, that's when I get like 10 minutes of social media because it's on my phone. It's not like cutting into anything else. And, and like you said, sort of finding those little moments for yourself of when you can do things that aren't, that are sort of light touches. And I think social, social media is one. We can all pull it up on our phone and in five or 10 minutes, you can meaningfully engage and have it not cut into something else. And you have a lot of hockey practices, I noticed. Yeah. And it seems like I'm always messaging you when you're like going or coming back or there. Yeah, well, any of our any of our viewers who have kids in a youth hockey program will tell you that uh, it's almost daily. It's like being like those those parents who like have kids that do like gymnastics, where you're like, where they do it like eight hours a day, and you're like obsessed with it, and you're probably yelling from the sideline like, like you want your kid to be the next uh, Mario or Mario Lemieux. Mario. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh. I think because ice is, is such a limited uh, resource, it, you know, they, like kids aren't going to go home and play ice hockey on the street, at least not in Ohio, like maybe in, you know, Edmonton, Alberta, but, uh, and so they schedule practices almost every day. So, so it's, but it's really kind of helped me just, like I said, kind of develop these habits where I can use time that would otherwise be spent talking to other parents, which would be awful. Like I could just sit in a corner and, you know, be on social media. Well, I, yeah, I know what you, a little bit about what we were talking about, how if you don't have as much time, sometimes you actually get more done just because, yeah. you know, you know that you got to write in this time or you know that you only have this 10 minutes to, to be on Facebook or something. Cause you yeah, have Ma- so Michael much J. to Fox. do. Yeah, Michael J. Fox pioneered that technique. Yeah, the back to the future uh, technique. The Parkinson's law. Yeah. 
I think him and Doc Brown came up with that. Yeah. 3.84 gigawatts. I thought it was 4. something. Is it? Someone will correct us on that. I know I didn't get the number right. Well, I mean, that's just impossible, right? I mean, the only thing that can generate that much power is a bolt of lightning. Yeah. And unfortunately, you never know when or where it's ever going to strike. You don't. You don't know. We do now. This is it. All right, so I think we hit the questions, viewer questions, yeah. baby. Nice. We got them fun. all. It was that fun. one's good. I hope people keep bringing in questions because I like doing this. Yeah, and if it's the same two people that want to keep asking us questions, yeah. please keep that up too. We'll just make we had Axel names. Rose, we had Vince Neal, we Vince had Neal, yeah. Strawberry Fields, Mario Lemieux, we had. <laughs> and Zach Abahanan. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. ZB. ZB's our buddy. Uh, all right, well, in, uh, let's one more reminder. One more plug. Um, Next week. One more plug. Stephen King, Pet Cemetery. We haven't um, read it yet. We got one week. Yeah, you got one week. Uh, when you see this episode, that's your cue. You got a few days to get us uh, final questions or comments, and it'll be the next episode. And uh, I'll put some uh, some coupon codes, and I'll if you check the show notes, I'll do a little something with uh, some free copies of 60 Days Finishing a Manuscript in 60 Days if you want to take the course. Um, anything else, Richard? No, that's it. I think we're good to go. All right. Well, this has been episode 20 of the Horror Writers Podcast. Make sure you like and validate us so we don't cry. I will say that uh, actually, uh, since we are coming up on the holidays, there could be a week or two where we don't have a show. We're not really sure yet. Uh, just depends on, on how the scheduling goes, but it's possible. So, yeah. Just wanted to mention Good point. That. So, just so you know, uh, I know everybody will be really upset. You know, they're going to be hanging around Monday, just every Monday, hoping. But we'll and... be back in the new year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll good definitely point. be back in the new year, and we're going to be good to go. All so, right. Uh, so we're done. Episode number 20. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, all that stuff. and Validate uh, us. Next show, we got Joe Hart and Pet Cemetery, so it should be fun. Boom. See you guys next time. Later. Thanks for tuning in to the Horror Writers Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Do it. Do it now. What are you waiting for? Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter.